Welcome to another edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Tonight's episode, we are going to talk NFL training camps getting going. Lots of NFL activity in the last several days. A couple, couple, a couple trades. We got uh, Alex Smith cleared to return, potentially to, to contact with the Redskins. We have the Redskins with their name change. All kind of stuff. Daniel Snyder and all kind of hot water with allegations of sexual harassment and such throughout his organization. We're going to talk NBA restart. Who do you like in the East and in the West? Got some players still missing from the bubble in Orlando. We're going to talk a little bit of that. My man Lou Williams apparently likes to go to the strip club to eat dinner. Wink, wink. Major League Baseball, the first weekend of the restart for MLB is underway. I'm going to give you my predictions, my American League and National League uh, championship uh, series predictions, as well as a World Series matchup for you. And the NHL gets going as well at the end of uh, this coming up week. The, the teams are all up in Canada. All the teams pretty much left yesterday from all reports. And so teams are going to be up in Toronto and Edmonton with the bubble up Canada for the NHL restart. So it's a lot of activity going on. We finally have some live sports. MLS is going. The Premier League just wrapped up over the weekend with Liverpool lifting the trophy in the EPL after 30 years of a drought. So congratulations to Liverpool. The uh, MLS is in their knockout stage of their uh, welcome back tournament. So there's been some good action on uh, the in the MLS. So again, let's get to the National Football League. Training camps are scheduled to start on Tuesday the 28th. Teams are have been reporting in the last several days, players. The, the Players Association and the league have c- kind of come up with a uh, COVID protocol agreement heading into training camp, the, kind of the do's and don'ts and the requirements and all that such for each team. Give you a couple of highlights of the kind of the protocols. Everybody's going to have to take a COVID test and test negative. After they test negative, they are going to be required to serve a two to three day quarantine period where after that, they will then have to test negative a second time on a COVID test. If they pass both those COVID tests, they will then take a team physical. That will allow them, once they, if they pass the physical, because remember folks, there has been not one day of activity in a facility since the end of the, of the football season. No OTAs, no strength conditioning. So these teams have technically not seen their players since the end of their season, which in some cases was late late December, 1st of January, and or for the Super Bowl teams in early February. So it will be interesting to see how many of these players maybe don't pass a physical due to a injury issue or something that comes up but let's assume they pass their physical then teams can start their uh, can, you know their their technical uh, training camps one caveat that I didn't uh, that I read that is part of this agreement is basically teams will not be allowed to be in full pads until almost August mid to late mid August at best somewhere around August 18th or 19th is what's been reported that teams will not be able to be in full pads because they're going to use these first two weeks, late July till mid-August, to get you know conditioning, back strength training as with the group, with the team. So you're going to, they're going to really use these two weeks more of a, as a conditioning and uh, strength and conditioning sessions. 
Obviously, they'll be able to meet as 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 a team and groups and position groups and all that stuff together. But really, no pads until around August 18th, 19th for the season opener for most every team is going to be the weekend of September 13th. You do have the opening night game of Houston and Kansas City on, I think, September the 10th. So that'll give uh, teams about 20 days or so, 21 days in pads. There's major uh, speculation that there will not be any preseason games. Uh, if there are, are any games, which it looks like there won't be, but the odds are there would only be one game at best. Teams will also not be allowed to have inter-squad inner scrimmages. If you know the last handful of years, lots of these teams have teamed up with another organization and had two or three days worth of practices. You know, when the Bucks would, would play the would, would practice with the Dolphins leading up to their preseason game, none of that will be allowed as well, which is something. So, again, this is going to be a very team-oriented training camp where you're only going to be dealing with your guys. You're going to have little to no interaction with any other team, probably no interaction. And, again, one other caveat to this uh, COVID protocols for each team. Roster limits for training camp have been trimmed from 90 to 80. So basically teams have 90 players on their roster. They have to be down to 80 by the time training camp starts, which is a major, you know, it's 300 and there's 32 teams and you cut it by 10 guys. There's 320 less opportunities for a guy to make a team. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how all this works out. Obviously the, the major uh, hurdle is going to be when somebody does test positive. What does what is the NFL and the Players Association have outlined for those situations? How long does a guy have to be quarantined? How many times do they have to pass a test before they can be reallowed, uh, reallowed to be back in uh, involved with their teammates? What if a coach tests positive? Uh, you know those kind of things. So again, these organizations have gone through major uh, COVID uh, cleaning cleaning uh, scenarios in their facility head-to-toe as far as training table, locker rooms, office spaces, everything that could potentially be uh, an area where COVID could be could be transmitted, I'm sure has been uh, scaled, scaled down, cleansed, and there, I'm sure there's a daily cleaning plan in place where these uh, disinfectants areas are being disinfected either at least once a day, if not multiple times a day. So again, the NFL has kind of skated through this COVID issue all the way up until now, because they've not had any activities that is that has required any personal contact. So the NFL's, uh, you know, they got through the draft okay, free agency, because all that stuff did not involve contact or seeing, uh, you know, being in the same room with other people. You could do all that uh, virtually. Now is the NFL's time to see how they react to this COVID situation. The NFL also made an agreement with the Players Association involving scenarios where if a player decides he does not want to play, there is a financial, some financial assistance that will be, will be provided to that player. So here are the two scenarios. If a player is a is con- deemed to be a high-risk player, let's say he has an autoimmune uh, issue. Let's say he's married and his wife or his children have some kind of medical or health issues. That player, if he chooses to opt out, meaning he will not be eligible to, he he decides he does not want to play this football season, he has the opportunity to collect the $350,000 payment for this year. And basically that payment is a loan against his next year's salary. 
The other scenario is if a player has no, does not is not deemed to have any type of risk, but just chooses he does not want to play due to the COVID uh, scenario, he can collect up to one fifty for this year. Um, and again, that's a loan against next year's salary. So if the guy makes two million dollars next year, he'll have that money he collected this year deducted out of his salary for next year. My thought on that is. I don't think you're going to see many players, if any, well, you'll see a couple, but I don't think you're going to see any legitimate players not choose to play if they, unless they have a major health issue. And here's why. The, first of all, the NFL contracts are not guaranteed, so there's no guarantee you're going to be on a team next year. Whether you're a free agent, whether you have a contract, this is a not-for-long league. The NFL is considered the not-for-long league. Again, not guaranteed contracts. So... If you're a starting offensive lineman, if you're a defensive end, if you're a linebacker that's just a middle-of-the-road player, you're not going to forego one year, one salary, two, playing opportunity, and three, kind of commitment to the team or the organization by not by just saying, I'm not going to play. Now, if there's a major health issue involved, that's a different scenario, but I don't think you're going to see guys that just say, hey, I don't want to play because... I'm nervous about COVID because the odds of a middle-of-the-road player keeping his starting job a year from now by not playing this year is probably not very good. Uh, a couple of examples, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, starting right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. You know his story a little bit. He has chosen not to play this year. Super Bowl champion Chiefs, he's been in the league six or seven years. One thing, he is a medical doctor. He's been getting his medical degree or his uh, his MD degree in the off several last several off seasons, and he's kind of doing a uh, residency. He's been doing residencies in the last several couple of off seasons after he got his medical medical degree. He he has made the decision. He wants to kind of be involved in helping on the medical side of things. He's he he's been working in a hospital this summer. He's been working as an orderly. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's made the decision that he's not going to play. It will be very interesting to see where, where, how he ends up. I think in his scenario with a medical degree situation, I think he'll be welcomed back to the Chiefs next year. But he is a rare situation where he has got a well-publicized story of being a medical doctor, getting his medical degree, wanting to pursue that after football. I think the Chiefs would definitely welcome him back. It would be a bad look for the Chiefs if a year from now they said, hey, Laurent, we're not gonna we're not gonna retain you, but the average guy that's in the league, the young guy, the the good player, maybe not great player. I don't think you're gonna see much of these kind of guys saying I'm not gonna play this year unless there's a major health issue related to them or maybe their wife or their children. Um, remember, these guys will not be in a pure bubble. Obviously, training camp they do they all do stay together, so you will have a little bit of a bubble. But towards the end of training camp, those guys are allowed to um, not not stay at the at the team hotel. They're able to go home. Um, it'll be interesting to see how how long they extend that time where they're all going to live together, basically in a hotel. Uh, most of these teams, you know, rent out a hotel to to live in uh, during training camp. So it'll be interesting to see how long that's extended. And obviously, once you get to the regular season, they'll not be living in a hotel. They'll be living at their residence in their in their town that they work they play in. So. Very interesting. I know Donovan Smith, the left tackle for the Buccaneers, has been considering whether he wants to play or not. Players have to decide by this coming up Friday, which is going to be, I believe, the 
either the 30, uh, 27th, the 31st, July 31st, they have to make a decision whether they're going to opt out of this year or not. Um, if they opt out, they will not have the ability to come back. Um, so that will be, again, that's a, this, is a, this is a year-long decision. Um, so be very interested to see if anybody opts out. I've not heard much uh, scuttlebutt and rumor about guys doing that, other than Donovan Smith has talked a little bit about it, and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif for the Chiefs has already decided he's not going to play this year. So it'll be very interesting to see how that how the training camp protocols go. Let's get to some on-field action and some news. One, the Washington Redskins have decided they're going to probably take the next year or so to decide what their new nickname is going to be. The Redskins, obviously, is no longer going to be the nickname. All the uh, uh, backlash from the uh, f- relative to the nickname Redskins has finally forced with with a, some co- with a lot of backlash from sponsors, FedEx, Nike, and a couple others have forced Daniel Snyder to finally make that decision that he once said he would never make. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes for the next year. Apparently, they're just going to be called the Washington football team uh, for the next year. So, again, no more Redskins. Again, they're going to take a year, about a year. They've hired a firm to help them with the name and all the good stuff that goes into that. So they've hired that. The Washington has also been under fire. Major report coming out in, coming out a week or so back in the Washington Post about the culture of the Redskins organization being very toxic. Sexual harassment allegations by several female team employees and former team employees, relative to the radio play-by-play man and some guys in the in the uh, team personnel department that were that were relieved of their duties. Major uh, allegations about you know just a lot of uh, harassment and those kind of things, sexual harassment, things like that. That Daniel Snyder uh, kind of is being alleged to have allowed to have happen. Fortunately for Daniel Snyder, nothing has directly linked him to the allegations directly because if he was linked to these allegations in any shape or form, as in participating in that, he would be Donald Sterling, basically. Goodell would come in and that guy would be forced to sell the team. You would see major, major pressure from all owners in in the commissioner's office to uh, force Daniel Snyder to sell the team. But as of now... He has not been directly linked to that, so I think he'll survive as far as keeping the ownership of the organization. But again, if Snyder is directly linked to any of these allegations, you will see swift action from the commissioner's office and from the league office relative to uh, Snyder giving up uh, his ownership control as in selling the team. If you recall, a couple years back, Jerry Richardson of the Panthers was, was accused and it was detailed and documented. They had evidence that he was involved in some of that kind of stuff with some insensitive comments related to African-Americans and women. He was quickly ushered out of the ownership of the Carolina Panthers. They took down a statue of him. He was basically removed from the organization within less than 30 days, and the team was sold. So be on the lookout. And if, you, if, you, if we hear anything, again, related to Daniel Snyder, that's what will cause him to lose ownership, I think. I think he'll survive this if, uh, if he's not directly linked. Um, but tough, tough times in D.C. I, I expect a long year in D.C. One other good note, come, good note coming out of D.C. is Alex Smith, the quarterback, who, they, uh, who had the gruesome leg injury, has a, apparently been cleared for training camp uh, activities. 
We don't know what's going to happen yet with him. He's still got a year or two left on his contract. It's been about a two-year recovery from that gruesome leg injury he suffered playing quarterback for the Skins back in 18. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, activity he's able to participate in in training camp. But he has been cleared for football activities. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Do not expect him to be the starting quarterback by any means. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy there. But it'd be a great story if he could at least, uh, Alex Smith could be, the backup quarterback for the Redskins and Ron Rivera. Um, again, it's a very good feel-good story for the Redskins, and they need as much feel-good as they can find up in D.C. So big news from uh, the weekend is D- uh, Jamal Adams was shipped from the Jets to Seattle for a major haul. Seattle gave up two number one picks, a starting safety and a third-round pick, and the Jets gave up Jamal Adams and a fourth. Uh, to me, it's a good deal for both teams. Uh, if you're the Jets, you cannot turn down two number ones and a starting player and a three for a guy that's a safety. I don't care how good he is. He is an all-pro type player, but he's been very disgruntled the last six months or so, criticizing ownership, the coach, the organization, clearly wanting out of New York. The Jets had not yet given him a new deal. Obviously, part of this deal is going to be Seattle's going to have to re- is going to have to extend his contract. It's a good deal for Seattle because they need a leader on defense, kind of their new Earl Thomas or Cam Chancellor kind of guy to reform that legion of boom that they've had several years ago. And Adams is young. He's very good. And, again, two number ones is a steep price to pay, but um, John Schneider has not been afraid as the Seahawks GM and Pete Carroll. They've not been afraid to trade number one picks in the past. They've traded – Picks for Percy Harvin, for obviously now with Jamal Adams. Uh, other guys, they're not afraid to trade number ones. It seems like some teams around the league are devaluing draft picks a little more than they used to, especially number one picks. And if Seattle is good, those picks will typically be in the 20s, 18 to 30, you know, 18 to 25. Seattle is supposed to be good. They're in, they're in a winning window with Russell Wilson in the prime of his career. They needed an impact guy on defense. Uh, there's still speculation about them re-signing uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, but that has not yet happened. But, again, Seattle's a good team on the cusp, and a guy like Adams can really uh, solidify that defense. He's a three-down player, can do it all, cover, run support, blitz. <clears throat> so I think it's a good trade for both teams. The Jets aren't weren't going to be winning many more games with Jamal Adams than they would without him. So, to get two number ones, you, you got to do that, and, and now you don't even have to. Now you don't have to pay the guy. So, good trade for both teams, in my opinion. Training camp again. My Buccaneers start the Tom Brady era gets going in two days. I can't wait. Very excited about the uh, prospects with Brady in town. Some good good moves on all, in the off season they've made. Um, very very excited about Tom Brady and company coming starting up a new era with Gronkowski in Tampa. So. We will continue to give updates as training camp goes on. Um, but again, try to give you a good good, good overview of training camp and what's going on as far as the NFL season. Again, this first week or two will be very interesting to see <coughs> as far as positive tests. If there are positive tests, how do the teams react? How does the league react? And all that good stuff. So... I'm going to give you a list of a couple of free agents that are still out there that I think to keep your eye on as training camp develops. One, Jadavian Clowney is still unsigned. Big-time defensive end. 
I think he's going to go to one of a couple places, either back to Seattle. I could see him uh, potentially going to a winning type of organization for a one-year deal, maybe even team like Tampa Bay, who might be in the market for a defensive end um, that's on the brink of winning. Everson Griffin, the defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings, another guy I think Tampa Bay would be interested in. He'll have some suitors as we get towards the end of training camp, uh, towards the start of the regular season. you got Devontae Freeman with the Falcons, good running back, solid. He had some issues with an agent. He just fired his agent and, re- and signed, signed Drew Rosenhaus to represent him. And kind of the ultimate wild card could be Antonio Brown. What is the league going to do with him? Is they gonna, Are they going to suspend him? His his uh. He still has an investigation pending with the league. What are the, what's the league going to do? Are they going to impose a suspension, a four, six, eight-game suspension for his sexual uh, uh, harassment allegations from a year or so back? That still has not been rectified. But again, as a football player, he could definitely help somebody as a as a one or as a, as a number two receiver. So it'll be interesting to see what the Antonio Brown market is as training camp develops. So, well, there's your NFL. Let's do a little NBA bubble in Orlando. All the teams have been in Orlando now a couple of weeks. Um, first of all, before we get to the NBA, I just want to give a give a uh, if you want to send us some comments to the Powers on Sports podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, all your major uh, podcast pot- platforms. Search, subscribe to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm here to provide you information, 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 some good chatter. We'll have some more interviews. We had a great uh, interview on in the last episode. You missed it with B.B. Abbott, who's a big-time MLB baseball agent, so go back and check that out. We, we talked about all kinds of stuff related to the uh, the world of being a baseball agent in his firm, Jet Sports Management. So check us out. Subscribe. Tell a friend. Send us a comment at, at kickthefb is my Twitter handle, at kickthefb, like football, but FB. All right, love to hear from you. You can send me a comment on Twitter. You can send me an email if you want to send me an email. Send it to sportspowers at yahoo.com. Uh, or you can Instagram. Uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. Just search me on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, one more note about uh High school football is supposed to be getting going in, in a lot of places here in the next couple of weeks. Be very interesting to see how high school football and high school athletics rolls through the fall semester. If you don't have any school or if all the school is virtual, the same can be said for college football. You've not heard a final decision yet from the Big Five conferences, the SEC, ACC, Big 12. You have heard from the Big 10 in the, in the Pac-12. They're going to play a conference-only schedule this year. If they decide to continue playing, even, again, the big question is what's going to happen if there is no kids on campus for school? Are they going to play football in the fall? A lot of talk that football could get potentially bumped to the spring semester. The Ivy League, a lot of the 1AA leagues have already done that. You'll, you'll probably see most of your Division II and Division Three conferences do that as well. If not at all, if not play at all football this year because of the COVID, because it's a major financial hit for the Division twos and three schools to try to play football, um, as well as the FCF schools. Again, the decisions to play football for the big the Big Five conferences is, is, is 
very money driven, TV driven. So it'd be very interesting to see how they what their final decision, which you should we should be hearing those final decisions here in the next week or so relative to the ACC, SEC, Big 12. And you'll also hear from these other conferences, the lower tier Division Ones, the MACs, the Sun Belts, the Conference USAs, the AAC. So be very interesting to see what you'll see. My prediction is you'll see a lot if they do play in the fall, if they attempt to start to play in the fall, you probably will not have many little to no non-conference games. You will not have the the UABs of the world playing at LSU. You probably won't have the the, the uh, Toledo's playing the Michigans, the uh, Ohio State's playing the Eastern Michigan kind of things. You're going to see a, probably a, a, an elimination of those non-conference games for the most part, uh, which will really hurt those smaller Division One programs because they're those are guaranteed paydays for those teams. They need that revenue desperately, so it'll be very interesting to see. But again. Most other fall sports will probably get bumped to the spring, so you'll probably see soccer, volleyball probably get bumped to the spring at these at these institutions. But the key question is, what will football look like in the fall if no kids are on campus, in classroom teaching, learning? If everything is virtual and online learning, what will the universities do relative to these football players? Uh, are you going to force those kids to be on campus when everybody else isn't? That's probably got problems written all over it, and lawsuits and potential uh, litigation down the road and putting those players in harm's way with this COVID virus. Several teams have already quarantined from the college level for a couple of weeks. A couple in the Big Ten for sure, Rutgers, Michigan State. You're gonna, Don't be surprised to see some other teams quarantine for another week or so here pretty soon because these, again, you cannot put these college student-athletes in harm's way over summer workouts, over, and we've not even gotten the pads and any kind of contact yet. So I'm very nervous about the fall football season. Um, I could definitely see a scenario where maybe potentially they try to bump it back to October, mid-October, maybe play six or seven games in October, play three or four games in early January, February, and have a playoff then. But be very interested to see what what they decide to do in the uh, world of college football. All right, let's get to the NBA. They're all in Orlando. Games start this coming up Thursday. The real games, they've been playing scrimmage games. The big thing with these with this NBA is a couple concerns I have. The, the Clippers, a major favorite in the Western Conference with the Lakers. Clippers having all kind of personnel issues. <clears throat> Guys leaving the bubble. There's been Montrez Harrell hasn't even reported yet. You know, Lou Williams allegedly left the, the the bubble for a family matter, but yet there are pictures of him in a strip club appear. You know, I, I I'm real down on Lou Williams. I don't I don't like that one bit. If you're gonna leave, leave for the legitimate reason, because if not, you're really sticking a middle finger, an fu to the rest of your teammates when you're when you're photographed in a strip club. In a in a in the dumbass who 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 photographed him, they're his rapper buddy. Post the post the photo on Instagram, and in the in the photo, Lou Williams has a mask that's only distributed at the NBA bubble, so they know that he, that it was that Lou Williams was in the strip club. I mean, what are you doing, Lou Williams? What are you doing, rapper friend? Selling out your guy? Just stupid, man. Um, lots of issues with the Clippers. Sounds like the Lakers are in pretty good shape. LeBron, Anthony Davis. Giannis is is they're all in good shape on the eastern side. The cool thing is, I'll give the NBA credit. <coughs> Excuse me, 
have had zero positive tests since they've been in the in the bubble, which is a great thing. Everybody who's in the bubble in the bubble in Orlando at at the at Disney World, they've had no issues with COVID tests positives, and that so that's a great thing. So, we'll be a, uh, a sprint to the playoffs. You got we're gonna have an eight game restart of the regular season. And then we're going to go straight to the playoffs in Orlando. So it'll be very interesting to see what the first round matchups are. A couple teams to be that I like that that I think you're going to see very inspired, very motivated. The Philadelphia 76ers. I think you're going to see the Denver Nuggets, a major force. Houston Rockets, and obviously you have the Clippers, Lakers, and then the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Potentially the Boston Celtics. I think about seven teams, six to seven teams, could win the title. Uh, but it'll be very interesting playoff scenarios and what the first round matchups are and all that good stuff. So Tom Thibodeau is going to be the new coach of the New York Knicks. Interesting hire there. Thibodeau has a reputation of being kind of a veteran coach as far as works better with veterans than younger players. He works his players extremely hard in workouts and practices, that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes over well with, with the younger group in New York. If you're the Knicks, you got to find out what you have. Is R.J. Barrett for real? Is is uh, Kenny Knox, uh, Kevin Knox? Excuse me. Is he leg- a decent? Is he going to be a good player? Dennis Smith Jr. You got to find out what you got in New York, and you got to stick to a plan. They've overhauled their front office. They brought in Leon Rose, the the, the agent, to kind of run the organization. They bring in Thibodeau on a five year deal. You got to let the guy do his thing for a couple of years to see where you're at. Can Tom Thibodeau? recruit free agents to New York City. The New York Knicks have been unable to, the last 15 years, recruit big-time free agents to New York. And that has been something that they always thought they would be able to do better than most anybody on the, in the league is recruit, and they've not been able to do it. But can Tom Thibodeau develop the young players that they have and recruit a big-time free agent to come to New York to put them back on the map? Because the Knicks have just been pitiful and pathetic the last 15 years. And it's bad for the league when the Knicks aren't any good. Much better for the league when the Knicks are good. So let's hope Tom Thibodeau can get it done uh, with with the New York Knicks and Leon Rose and company. NHL restart. They're going to be up in Toronto for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference teams are going to be in Edmonton. They start up again at the end of this week. They're going to have about a three or four game uh, seating process. For the top four teams in each in each conference are going to be, are going to play a little round robin amongst each other to see who's going to be the one through four seeds in each conference. You're also going to have the bottom tier. You're going to have twelve teams in each conference, I believe, make the playoffs. So you're going to have a bottom tier elimination to get down to eight. So it'll be very interesting to see how these uh, how these hockey playoffs. Uh, and again, they're 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 creating their own little bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. We'll be interested to see how that stuff goes as well. Tampa Bay Lightning, my team. Stamkos coming back from an injury. He's still kind of up in the air when he's going to be available. But uh, be very interesting to see how these playoff scenarios unravel. You see, you always see upsets in the playoffs in hockey. No home ice advantage. There, that's really never been a factor anyway. So the NHL playoffs will be wide open in both conferences. So I'm looking forward to that getting going. You'll see that on NBC and NBCSN. Uh, a lot of those games will be all over the place here coming up. So, if you're a sports fan, this next from now till uh, theoretically till uh, January, if all things hold and we're able to play, it's going to be one hell of a one hell of a four month, five month period 
with all the college football potentially, all the NFL, the baseball shortened season. You have the hockey playoffs, the NBA playoffs. You got potentially some tennis going on with some majors, U.S. Open. You got some golf, big golf tournaments coming up here in the fall as well, the majors. So lots of activity, lots of stuff to gamble on. If you like to gamble, there's going to be just bukus of things to bet on uh, and all that stuff. So if you're a sports fan, I know I know we all are, if you're listening to this, big-time fun uh, fall coming up if we can just keep everybody healthy, if we can just keep the test positive test to a minimum, and if, the, if, if people around the country can just continue to please wear a mask if you're out somewhere. I know nobody wants to wear a mask, but we got to wear a mask. I mean, nobody wants to be having to wear the mask, but do it for your, do it for the country and do it for your own community's good. We don't want to be in a shutdown situation where your your community shut down from all businesses. We got to be staying home, stay at home again. All that good. That's good for nobody. Help us all out, even if you don't necessarily agree with the mask concept. Even if you think some of this stuff is is over, being overblown as far as coronavirus, wear the freaking mask. To help us all out, okay? If we do that, it's proven that that's going to help reduce the number of cases, reduce the spread and the contagiousness of this stupid virus. So please wear the mask. Last point, we're going to talk Major League Baseball. Week weekend number one underway at MLB. You know they've had uh, they're playing all over the country and all pretty much in all these different home parks. No fans. I've actually watched a couple games on TV. They've actually done a pretty good job on TV as far as presenting the game. Um, the big couple big stories coming out of the baseball is Toronto not allowed to play in Toronto, which is crazy to think that the city of Toronto said it was okay. The province of Ontario said it was okay, but the city, the government of Canada said they could not play in Toronto. So the Toronto Blue Jays will be playing in Buffalo, New York, beginning in uh, the second week in August. Um, home games in Buffalo from between now and that time in Buffalo, they're going to play home games in other teams, ballparks. I think they're going to play in Philadelphia and potentially in Washington as the home team. So that's kind of interesting to know. Tampa with Tampa hosted Toronto this week in the three game series down here in Tampa. Um, again, this baseball season, 60 games. Here's a couple of notes. Rosters have been expanded to 30 guys on the active roster, and each team has another 30 guys that are kind of in a player pool that are that are accessible, i.e. their minor league player pool, another 30. So a total of 60 guys per roster is going to be available to play during the year. So you can make you can call up guys from the 30 from the 30 player minor league pool if you have injuries, if you have COVID issues, and all that stuff. So again, every team has has access to 60 guys. Again, we've already had a COVID issue with the Miami, with the Florida Marlins. Uh, four guys tested positive on Sunday uh, for the Marlins. So again, one of their pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. Is it just four guys? Did they infect anybody on the other, any of the other teams over the weekend? They played in Philadelphia over the weekend. So it'll be very interesting to see how MLB handles this in the next couple of days. But four guys did test positive for the Marlins. You will see some more test positives uh, throughout Major League Baseball. But again, each team has access to 60 guys to make subsequent moves um, and all that stuff. 
couple predictions. Again, pitching is going to be at a premium. To me, that's going to be the determining factor in this 60-game sprint is which team has the most consistent starting pitching. Teams are going to be able to load up in the bullpen with with arms, plenty of arms in the bullpen. Um, a team like the Rays, who've been notoriously great pitching teams, uh, are going to be somebody to be reckoned with because of their pitching prowess. Um, I'm a homer on that one, but I really think the Rays are going to have a great chance to be in the playoffs. They did expand the playoffs to 16 teams this year. They're going to try that out. Also remember they're trying out the uh, extra innings, new extra inning rule, where they're going to put a man on second base in extra innings with one out. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. There have already been a couple of extra inning games just over the weekend. So I like that rule to get the game moving and speed it up a little bit. Get them, get it moving. I like it a lot. Um, predictions. Let's go division by division. We'll go National League first, and then we'll go to the American League. I'm going to make division predictions. National League East, I'm going Atlanta Braves. I really like the Braves. I think they got good, really good young players hitting. I'm going Atlanta Braves in the East. In the Central, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the radar here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the uh, Cincinnati. I'm gonna take the St. Louis Cardinals to win the division. St. Louis to win the division in the West. I'm going Dodgers. And then we're gonna have five other wild card teams. I think in the you're gonna have a combination of potentially the Mets or Nationals. One of those two teams will make it. I think potentially the Reds and or the uh, the Cubs will potentially make it in the in the Central. And out west, I think you're going to have one team out west, potentially Colorado, could be a factor in the west. So remember, they're taking eight teams. All eight teams play in, in the first round of the playoffs, the 1 8, 2 7, 3 6, 4 5 scenario. Uh, I'm going to take the Braves and the Dodgers in the, to the NLCS. And I think the Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series this year. I don't know why I think that. I think they're going to, they're going to have enough pitching and enough hitting. Don't be surprised if they make a move. There is a trade deadline this year. August 31st, I believe, is the date. So, again, 30 games in, there's going to be a trade deadline. There will be some guys traded. Don't Again, I think the Braves are going to go for it this year. They're going to be in it. I like the Atlanta Braves to go to the World Series in the National League. American League, East. I think it's going to be a dogfight between the Yankees and the, and the Rays. I'm going to go Tampa Bay Rays to win the East. Yankees as a wild card, as a very close second wild card. I like the in the central. I like the Minnesota Twins. I think the White Sox are going to make it in the central as a wild card. Out west, I think the big injury potential for the Houston Astros with Verlander having a major elbow issue. It sounds like so. I'm going to go based on that information. I'm going to go the Oakland A's to win the West. I think the Astros will still find a way to make the playoffs as a as a Wild card type team. And also you could see that uh, potentially either the Rangers or the Anaheim Angels be a seven or eight seed in the in the wild card. I'm going to go Rays, Yankees, NL, ALCS. And I'm taking the Tampa Bay Rays to go to the World Series against the Atlanta Braves. I think the pitching, Glasnow, Morton, Snell, deep bullpen. I think they have enough hitting. I won't, don't be surprised that they'll make a trade at the deadline to, to fill in a a, uh, a hole in the in the batting order. The the Rays are just very resilient. Kevin Cash has done an unbelievable job managing. He's very good with the pitching staff, managing the, the innings and the in the in the usage. 
Uh, I'm going Rays Braves World Series, and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series in 2020. And this is not a homer pick. This is a pick based on pitching, depth, strength of the farm system, and savvy GMing. I think the Rays are going to be in the, I think it's going to be the Rays to cut down the nets and hoist the World Series trophy in 2020. Not a homer pick. Your man, right? You heard it first, the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series over the Atlanta Braves. All right. Thank you for, for listening to the podcast. Again, tell a friend, subscribe online. Love to hear from you. Have a great week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. I don't care where you are, wear a mask and have a great week. So long from the Sunshine State, as one Gordon Soley used to say in Championship Wrestling from Florida. Have a great week. Bye-bye.